You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Well, thank you. Amen. Well, it's, uh, it's a pleasure again just to be with you all here and... Uh, Pastor told me, don't mind the, uh, you know, things going on, the construction and things like that in the back. And, and, uh, but, you know, hey, it, it's good that uh, we're always kind of under construction, amen? You know, as Christians in, in our life, we're, we're kind of under construction too, aren't we? And uh, we always ought to be working to improve ourselves because, uh, look, none of us have ever got to, the, we'll never get to the place where we could say, hey, we've made it, we've got it all figured out. Uh, no, this is a, is a constant journey that we're on, and until we get to heaven someday and we see Jesus face to face, we ought to not get too comfortable, amen, and, and uh, recognize that we need help, we need to be built up and, and uh, continue to improve by God's strength and his grace. And so uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a good thing to see uh, activity and change and improvement going on, Amen. Well, let's turn in our Bibles, if you will, tonight to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. <clears throat> Pastor told me y'all already voted to support us, so I'm just going to wing it tonight and just preach whatever. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> I feel this is the message that God laid on my heart, and I pray that it'll be a blessing and uh, uh, encouragement to y'all tonight. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, look with me, if you will, at verse number 6. The Bible says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, and that is not where I want to be. I'm in the wrong chapter. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, now here we go, verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this night. Thank you that we can be in your house tonight and we can uh, open up your word and hear it preached. Father, thank you that uh, you have allowed those who are here tonight to make it and uh, have health and uh, just safety on the road. And uh, Lord, we pray for those maybe who weren't able to make it tonight, God, that you would help them in their needs. And and God, I just pray that you would use this service, Lord, uh, not to uh, lift uh, me up or any other person, but Lord, may we simply lift you up. And may all that's said and done here tonight glorify your name and God, I pray that just as your servants here tonight, that all of us would have a desire, God, that you might use our life, that you might help us to stay in in the race and help us to finish the course that you have laid before us, God. Bless this service now. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 is is widely considered to be kind of his swan song, his his final epistle that he wrote before he would uh, be beheaded there in Rome by Nero and He's writing to Timothy, and, and uh, he, I just love his words that he says here. He, he says in verse number 6 now, that uh, I am now ready to be offered. He was ready for that time. He knew that it was going to come eventually. You know, all of us someday are going to face death, aren't we? We're all going to reach the end of our life at some point or another. And I don't know about you, but I sure would like to feel like Paul did, where I could say with honesty in my heart that I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. 
I think about our world that we're living in right now. Boy, last few years have really been a change of a lot of things, hasn't it, with COVID and uh, just so much turmoil and things going on in the world. And if, if you're not careful, it's easy to focus in on those things and, and uh, maybe be discouraged, maybe uh, be downhearted. And, uh, you know, I remember them saying uh, when, when uh, all this stuff was going on that, well, you know, you're just going to have to get used to it. It's a new normal. And I understand what they mean by that. Certainly, there are, uh, it's a different world we live in in this day and age than, than it was prior to that. But I don't really like that sense of, well, it's a new normal uh, uh, in the sense that, well, we can't preach the gospel anymore or we got to be careful about preaching the gospel. No, God's will has not changed for our lives. God's will for this world has not changed. But I also don't like the idea of going back just to the way it used to be either. You know, sometimes I think maybe God brought some of these things and allowed some of these things into our world so that it might wake us up as Christians a little bit to get our attention and say, hey, the time is, is coming where we, we won't be able to work anymore for Jesus Christ. We better take notice. We better get busy and do what God has called us to do. So I don't really like the idea of a, a new normal or an old normal. I think we ought to just daily seek God and, and follow his will for our life. We think about the people we read about in the Bible. You think about Noah and Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and all the, all the great things that you read about in the Old Testament. You know, we think about Daniel and, and David and Goliath and Solomon and, and uh, all the, the prophets and, and uh, Esther. And then, of course, we get to the New Testament. We read all about Jesus and, and, uh, and but, uh, about the other men that are in the Bible, about Peter and James and, and Timothy. And, of course, we're reading about Paul now as we're reading the epistles and you think about all of these people that we read about in the Bible, all the men and women that God used, and all the great stories and miracles that we saw performed, and with all of these people, with the exception, of course, of Jesus Christ, all of them were simply regular men and women, just like you and just like me. They were not uh, uh, special or, or different than us. They all faced the same kind of temptations as we face. They all went through the same types of things that we go through, but yet God used them in a mighty way to do something great for him. I think about that as we read the Bible, I think sometimes if we're not careful, it can, it can sort of get detached from reality where it looks like a, like a, like a storybook, you know? Uh, man, that's a great story. Wow, look at the story about David. Man, he, he, he uh, round and round and round and round, right? And he let that stone go and man, it smacked that giant in the face and he fell down dead. And wow, what a great story. It's almost like a movie or something, you know? And, and I think we forget sometimes that, that that really happened. That really took place. God really used a regular man to do a great and mighty thing. You know, God, I believe, desires to use each and every one of us in a great and mighty way also. Maybe not to slay a giant, maybe not necessarily for everyone to be a missionary as far as going out to a foreign country or, or uh, not everybody to do exactly the same thing, but nevertheless, I believe God has a perfect will and a perfect desire for each and every one of our lives. And just like these people we read about in the Bible, we may not get our names recorded in Scripture because that is, is done, but yet God can use us in just as amazing ways as he used the people that we read about here in the Bible. And thinking about Paul, where he says, it's, I fought a good fight. Paul was perhaps used more than any other Christian that we read about as far as spreading the gospel out and seeing churches started, seeing people get saved. Paul was used in an amazing way, but yet... We read about that he was just a man, just like we are. We think about Romans chapter 7, if you read that, where Paul, you know, he goes through and he says, uh, I'll just read it here, Romans chapter 7, he says in verse 15, he says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. That do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. 
Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Paul's going back and forth here. He's like, man, the things that I want to do, the things that are good, those are the things that I don't do. The evil, the bad things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I end up doing. And he says in verse 24, he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. We all are going to face the same uh, struggles, the same trials. Paul faced the same things that we have faced. But I'm thankful that God says in the Bible that there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And God will not suffer you to be, a, be, to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that she may be able to bear it. We all face the same things. We all are going to struggle. One at one time or another, we are all going to fall down. And if you think about running in a race, we're in the race of the Christian life, and uh, we may trip, we may stumble, we may fall, we may scrape our knee a little bit, but we ought not to let that cause us to get out of the race and to quit. We ought to get back up and, by God's grace, continue on the path that God has laid before us. Like Paul says, where we can get to the end of our life and say, hey, I fought a good fight. Was it perfect? Was I sinless? No. But I fought a good fight. I finished my course I've kept the faith and we stand before Jesus Christ someday and we hear those words well done thou good and faithful servant what is the greatest desire of your life tonight if you think about it the thing that you want the most in your life if that thing that you think about where you say if I could just get that or if I could just uh, obtain this uh, uh, a position or this status or, or get this one thing or have this one uh, person or relationship in my life, that one thing that you desire the most, what would that be? Would it be a, a, a maybe a, a nice house? Maybe for you young people, a, a nice car. Maybe some of you younger people tonight, you know, a, a spouse someday. Man, if I could just get married, then all my problems will disappear. Amen, right? Once you get married, no more problems, right? Once, I, if I could just have some children, man, my life would be perfect. Well, I thank God for children, but I'll tell you what, it's not, it's not always a bed of roses, is it? I think we could all testify to that. But what is that one thing that you think about in your life? Man, if I could just get that one thing. I want to encourage you tonight, if, if that one thing is anything besides the will of God for your life, then that thing that you desire will never bring you the satisfaction that you think it's going to bring you. Paul here, I talked to, this, to the teenagers earlier in chapel about this, as you read about in Philippians chapter 3, where Paul says, Hey, uh, uh, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had his eyes firmly fixed on Jesus Christ. Paul was going through this Christian life and he was not worried about what other people might say. He was not worried about maybe some mistakes that he might make. He wasn't worried about who might attack him, who might agree with him or not. He simply wanted to win Jesus Christ. Is that our desire in our life? That God might use us? That our greatest desire would simply just be used of God however he would want to use us? For us to fight the good fight. 
And I don't mean fighting a good fight where, you know, we have to go through life and, man, it's always a battle. We're always contention, you know, where uh, I, I remember people saying, like, oh, I, I, uh, I, like, the, uh, I like the drama, you know, man. I, I, like those, I like to see, you know, those talk shows like, uh, what, was that, what was that one guy, you know, the, um, Jerry Springer, you know? And uh, I've never seen it, okay? But, uh, no, I wasn't always saved, okay? But, you know, they get fighting in there, man. It's like uh, what the titles of, uh, you know, your, your, uh, your brother is really your grandfather or something like that. And, and, and uh, man, people get, oh, so they start fighting, and then they start cheering on, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Right? I, don't, I just, somebody told me about that. And, um, but, man, people thrive on the drama and the fighting and the contention. Hey, that not ought to be the kind of fighting that we're talking about. Make no mistake, the Christian life is a battle. We, are, we have a foe, we have an enemy that is going to oppose us, and we have to resist steadfast in the faith, the Bible says. But I believe that Paul in his life, yes, he fought many battles, yes, he went through a lot of things, but I think he had joy in his life as he was serving God, and even though he had to oppose the devil, even though he had some resistance, he didn't think about it as some sort of a battle and some kind of a contention and drama. It was simply a joy for Paul to serve God with his life. That God would choose to use him. Over and over, Paul says, I am the, he says that, that I am the chief of, uh, of sinners. I am the least of all apostles. And really, Paul could have boasted about so many things that he did in his life, but yet he always realized in the light of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ did for him, he was nothing. We are all the same. All of us, really, we don't deserve the grace that God has given to us. We don't deserve God's love, but yet he desires to love us. He desires to use us. Wouldn't we want to allow him to use our life? It's so easy in this world to get focused on material things and, and possessions or status. And, you know, the, the Bible talks about love not the world, neither the things that are of the world. For the love of the world is, uh, I'm messing up the verse, but you know what I'm talking about. The, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those things that we, we lift up and we aspire to. Like it says in Colossians chapter 3, it says, Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. The things of this earth are temporal. The things that we don't see, the things of faith, those things are eternal. The Bible says in Matthew 6, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, amen? Treasures that will last forever. What is your goal tonight? Is it simply just to obtain a possession, a thing, a status, a relationship. I hope it is a relationship, a relationship with Jesus Christ, the most important relationship that we could ever have. Friends may forsake us, our spouse may leave us, our children may not want anything to do with us, but Jesus Christ will never leave us nor forsake us, amen? He will always be there for us. Will we always be there for him? To say, Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, here am I, use me. Use my life, whatever you can do with it, Lord, I'm, I'm here for you. Paul, I believe, his desire, like I said before, was simply just to, to know Jesus Christ and to win that prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. I hope tonight your goal is to fight the good fight of the Christian faith. Fight the good fight. A few things here tonight. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. If you're going to fight the good fight tonight, number one, you must have faith. You must have faith. Again, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, our text tonight, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the 
faith. I've kept the faith. We know that we cannot please God without faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith it is what? Impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We have to start with faith. We cannot please God without faith. We cannot fight the good fight of the Christian life. We cannot have victory in this Christian life unless we have faith. Faith in God's word. Faith in God's promises. We must have faith. When I got saved uh, as a young man, 20 years old, uh, the pastor, I had only been coming to church a couple weeks, you know, and um, I had already read the Bible multiple times. and uh, But I, I didn't know anything. I mean, it was all brand new to me. But I had read, I'm sure by that point, I'd, I'd read at least, you know, Genesis 1. And uh, the pastor asked me, he said, Brendan, do you really believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six literal days? And I thought about it for a second. like, yeah, it says it right there. Yeah, I believe it, right? Like that childlike faith, you know. As we get older, we're, we're always like, well, you know, really what this means in, in the originals, this is what it, you know. no. I said, yeah, I believe that God created the heaven and the earth in six days. Why not? He said it right here in the Bible. Sure, I believe it's true. I believe that Jesus Christ saved me from my sins, so why shouldn't I believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six days? And he said this. He said, if you, he said, if you can believe that, then you should have no trouble believing everything else in the Bible as well. Look, it's, it's either all true or it's not. We can't start to pick and choose and say, well, this area might be true or, or this might be true, but this is not. Because once we do that, then we can't stand upon anything. I believe God's word is true. I believe we can trust it. I believe we can have faith in it. I believe God gave it to us so we could put our faith and trust in it. I remember seeing one preacher one time, and I don't like doing it because I really don't want to ruin my Bible, but he'd put his Bible down on the ground and he would stand on top of it. He says, you can stand on the promises of God. And it's true. You can stand on it. You can have faith. You know, we don't always understand it. We don't get to, it doesn't always make sense. It's not always logical. But if we're willing to trust God and not walk by sight, where the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight, you think about it. You think about it as you're, if you were being led through a, a, a dark hallway or a dark room somewhere, and maybe there was hazards that you had to avoid, and yet you could not see where they are, but yet there was a hand that was leading you. You have a choice. Am I going to follow this hand that's leading me? Am I going to follow their lead? Or am I going to try to figure it out on my own? I'd much rather have somebody who knew the way lead me through. Amen? Somebody who, who could take me to avoid the, the uh, pitfalls of this life, who could avoid the, the tragedies and the, the errors of this life, and somebody who knew the way through safely. God's word shows us the way through this life. It doesn't always make sense. It's not always logical. Look, it's not logical for me or any other missionary for that matter to drop all that we may be doing here in, in our life as it is and pick up our whole family and go to another country. It doesn't make sense logically. From the worldly perspective, it makes absolutely no sense. And believe me, people in this life, uh, people in my, my former uh, workplace and, and even other Christians are like, are you sure I'm like, are you really sure? Because like, you have like a good retirement plan and all these kind of things. You know, Are you sure that's what God wants you to do? Why don't you let some younger kid do that? I said, hey, look, I just know that's where God wants me to be, and I'd much rather please God than try to please myself. And I think he knows the way better than I do, so I'm just going to trust him. We have to have faith. We either believe God's word or we, we don't. What is faith? We know 
It's, uh, the Bible says in, in Hebrews there that it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We, we cannot touch it, we can't feel it, we can't see it, but we believe it's true. When you got saved, when you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you did not have Jesus standing in front of you. You did not have a, a picture or a photograph of what it would be like. You simply placed your faith and trust in something you could not see. And if we can place our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, then we ought to be able to place our faith and trust in, in God for every step of our lives as well. But so many times, we, if we're not careful, if we're not daily walking in, with God and having a relationship with God, we can allow the cares of this world to cloud our mind and to uh, cause us to uh, try to trust in our own way and trust in our own wisdom. We have to walk by faith. Jumping into the deep end of life. <sighs> Turn with me real quickly, if you will, to the book of Luke. Turn over to the book of Luke, chapter 5. Luke, chapter 5. The story when Jesus came and says in Luke chapter 5, uh, verse number 1, it says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. He said, Lord, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, uh, we've already done this, we've already, we've already tried these waves, it does not make sense, but look what he says, verse number five, he says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Peter, Simon Peter, simply took Jesus Christ at his word. Hey, it doesn't make sense. Nevertheless, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Look what it says in verse 6. He says, And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes, which they had taken. When's the last time you were astonished by what God has done? You, you won't ever be astonished unless you're willing to put some faith and trust in him. You, to see the miracles, you have to have the faith. You have to be willing to say, I don't get it, Lord, but nevertheless, at thy word, I will do what you say. I will do as you lead me, and I will have faith in what you say. And when you do that, that's when the miracles happen. And that's when you can say, wow, I cannot believe what God has done. We hear, I hear this a lot, you talk about the business world or self-improvement, you know, and they say, uh, one of these sayings is, growth happens outside of your comfort zone. And I believe in Christian life, you could apply that as well. To see growth in your faith, you must step outside of your comfort zone. You must continually stretch your faith. You think about faith promise giving, you know, as you give, and this is not a message about money, but as we give and we, by faith, we ask God, Lord, what would you have me to give? And uh, God will maybe stretch our faith a little bit. And then we do what God says and we see God show up and praise the Lord. And now our faith has increased. But now, you know what? Next time it comes around, we already saw God do this. Now we got to go a little bit further, don't we? 
we have to, again, place that faith and trust in him. Think about Peter again. When Jesus came and walked on the water, and Peter was willing to walk on water. Everybody else thought it was crazy. And you say, well, Peter, he, hadn't, he, he, uh, you know, he doubted, and so he sank. But yet, Peter was the only one who had enough faith to say, maybe with Jesus Christ, it might be possible. The impossible might just be possible. Not because of me, but because of Jesus Christ. In our life, if we're going to fight the good fight, if we're going to be able to have victory in our Christian life, we have to have faith. Paul believed God. I think about in Acts chapter 27 where he's in that storm in the Eurocladon and all the, uh, uh, the, the ship is breaking up. And, and uh, Paul says there in verse, uh, Acts 27 verse uh, 21, he says, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from creed and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Boy, that's, that's some faith right there. It doesn't make sense. The storm is crashing in around you. It doesn't look good, but yet God says, just keep going. Keep trusting in me. It will be okay. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your senses. Just trust God. Have faith. If we're going to fight the good fight, we must have <clears throat> faith. Secondly, if we're going to fight the good fight, you must forsake. You must forsake. Think about in Hebrews 12, verse 1, he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. If we're going to get in the race, if we're going to live the life that God wants us to live, if we're going to be able to get to the end and say, I fought the good fight, I am now ready to be offered, then we're going to have to be willing to leave a few things behind. We're going to be have, have to be willing to say, Lord, if I'm going to serve you in this way, then it means I can't do some of these things anymore. Maybe it's some sin in your life, but maybe it just might be something that is preventing you from doing what God wants you to do in your life. Are you willing to forsake it? Are you willing to let it go and say, God, I'm willing to just trust you instead? In our life, many times in the Christian life, uh, we're going to have to go through that process where God has to uh, maybe try us and put us through the fire a little bit to show us where there's some impurities in our life that we need to kind of scrape out of there and to purify us. If we're going to be the vessel that God wants to use, then there might be some things that have to get out of our life. I don't know about you, but if you think about it, is there anything in your life that you would say, Lord... I want to be used by you. I want to fight the good fight. I want to live a victorious Christian life. But I'm not willing. I, I, this thing in my life, this one thing that I'm holding on to, it's more important than your power and your blessings in my life. Now, I don't think we would say it like that. I don't think we would verbalize it that way. But that's really what we do sometimes, isn't it? When we say, hey, this one thing, I'm, I'm not letting this go, God. I love you. I want to be used by you. But this thing is more important in your blessing in my life. Hope tonight there's not anything in our life that if God would desire it to be removed, we wouldn't just say, Lord, you can take it, whatever you might want. Again, as I mentioned to the teenagers earlier, isn't, isn't he worthy of any sacrifice, anything that we might have to give up? Isn't, isn't he worth whatever it is he might ask for in our life? 
when you think about all that he's done for us. If you think about how while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his salvation. But yet he desires to save us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves us more than we can ever really comprehend this side of heaven. Why would we ever want to not let go of some things if he would desire it in our life? Someone once said this, he said, why would we ever want to enjoy anything that nailed Jesus to the cross? There's some things sometimes that creep into our life if we're not careful. We have to be willing to lay those things aside and say, Lord, I'm going to forsake these things, and by faith I'm going to walk uh, the Christian, I'm going to walk the, the path that you've laid before me, I'm going to fight the good fight, and I'm going to run the race that you've laid before me. We're going to fight the good fight. We're going to have to forsake. We know the Bible says, it says, uh, it says, love not the world, as I mentioned earlier, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What is it in your life that you're willing to sacrifice God's power for? Is it something as silly as TV show maybe? That maybe just grieves the Holy Spirit and you're not willing to give it up? Is it uh, a relationship? Is it some besetting sin in your life that you're just not willing to let go of? I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God someday and say, Lord, I wanted to be used by you and have him say, I would have used you, but you wouldn't give that up. One area. I heard a preacher say one time that he believes, and I believe it's true, that most Christians are about one or two big decisions away from God really using their life in a great way. Let it not be us who would not be willing to forsake some things so that God might use us. Let us be able to sing that song with sincerity in our heart where it says, Nothing between my soul and the Savior, not of this world's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between. What a great place to be in our life where we would say, Lord, there's nothing between me. Every day coming to God, Lord, is there anything in my life that is not pleasing you? Lord, is there anything in my life that's holding me back from your will in my life, Lord, show it to me that I may remove it from my life. We're going to fight the good fight. We're going to have to have faith. We're going to have to forsake. Also, we're going to have to have some fortitude. Second Timothy, again, 4-7 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know that saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. We know in this life, whether you're a Christian or you live in the world, there's going to be trials, there's going to be things that try to knock us down and get us to get out of the race, but if we're going to keep on going, we're just going to have to uh, grin and bear it sometimes. We're going to have to keep on going. Praise the Lord, as Christians, we don't have to do it in our own strength, amen? We don't have to do it alone because we have God, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of, inside of us that empowers us, and, and we have God directing us, we have God's Word that shows us the way. We don't have to do it alone, but we're going to have to have some fortitude. We're going to have to keep on going even when it go, gets tough. Again, because it says in Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I love this verse, James chapter 5, verse 10, 11. He says, take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. 
you know, of all the people that have gone through trials in this life, when they endure the trials by God's strength, they get to the other side, and they're glad that they kept on going. They're glad that they were able to make it through, not because of our own strength, but because of his strength. Again, there have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. God is with us. God is helping us along the way. The devil's going to try to attack. The devil's going to try to look for any hold in your defense that he can get inside of. I think about when I lived in the, uh, kind of in the country, we had a house that, uh, man, I would, uh, it was an older house, but uh, somehow or another, I kept finding rats inside the garage. And man, I remember one summer I walked inside and it stunk so bad. I uh, opened the door. It was hot. I'm like, what is that smell? I knew it was something dead. And I was looking all over the garage, looking everywhere. I couldn't find anything. A couple weeks went by. It was only getting worse. It was, you know, it's California. It was 100 and something degrees. And uh, finally, I saw way up top in the corner, there's this little, little cutout right there that went up to the attic space. And I said, I wonder if there's something up there. So I climbed up, I think, like on top of the water heater and I peeked over my head. Sure enough, when I got over here, boom, there was a, a rat trap right there with a rat that had been there a while. I picked that thing up, and man, all the maggots started falling out. Oh, it was, aren't you hungry now? <clears throat> and I thought, man, I got to do something about this. So I, I, I started looking for holes. I couldn't find anything, but yet the rats kept getting inside. I finally, after a long time, after a few weeks of this, I finally found in the garage door, you know, the garage door comes down in the, the slab there, the foundation, it kind of came down in the middle there, and it was just slightly depressed right there to create just, just a tiny, tiny little hole. That's all the rats needed to get inside. You know, in our life, Satan is going to look for just that little hole, that little weakness that he can get inside try to mess us up, try to get us to sin, try to get us to fall down, and then accuse us and say, hey, look, see, look at you, you're a sinner, you're a dirty, rotten sinner, you're good for nothing, you can't serve God even if you wanted to. We're going to have to have some fortitude. We're going to have to resist the devil. The Bible says in uh, 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 1 Peter, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Hey, sometimes God wants us to go through some of those trials to make us stronger, to strengthen us. We gotta make sure that we don't give up. We gotta make sure that we don't give in, that the devil can't allow us to get knocked off of the course, that we just keep in the race. We're going to fight the good fight. We have to have faith. We're going to have to forsake some things. We're going to have to have some fortitude. And last of all, and this sounds obvious, but we're going to have to finish. We're going to have to finish. Again, 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I don't know about you, but I would be so sad to see somebody live their entire life for Jesus Christ and only just to reach right before the end and just say, you know what, that's it, I'm done, I'm giving up. Many stories we could talk about of people who were faithful Christians, who were used mightily of God, but yet because of some sin in their life, they allowed the devil to get a stronghold and, and they were, uh, they were uh, allowed to allow their life to be wrecked and they fell out of the race. They gave up. 
You know, the thing is, the sad thing is, is that even though when we fall into sin, even though when we get messed up, that doesn't mean that we have to get out of the race completely. Yes, we may get punished by God and chastened by God as he chastens us as children. We may have to go through some things, but that doesn't mean we have to give up. We can get back in the race. We can get back in the fight, and we can keep on going to the very end. Don't allow the devil to convince you to say, look, you, you, you messed up. You can't, you can't uh, be a good Christian. You can't serve God with your life. No, we can continue to serve God. Even, again, God saved us while we were yet sinners. Why would we ever think that even though we were to sin, God would uh, cast us off and say, I don't ever want anything to do with you? No, we may have to suffer some things. We may have to ha have some, uh, there may be some judgment there, but God still desires to use us. And God can use the worst of all sinners to do amazing things in this life. We have to finish. Paul was ready to be offered. <clears throat> he says in Acts 20, verses 22 through 24, as he's going back to Jerusalem and everybody was saying, hey, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to do bad things to you there. They're going to, uh, they're going to take you and they're going to throw you in prison. And Paul says, Acts 20, 22, he says, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says that I may finish my course with joy. I think we read in 2 Timothy, he, he finished his course with joy. I think even though if he knew he was going to be executed, that he had joy in his life knowing that he served God the best that he could, was he perfect? Was he sinless? No. But with what God gave him, he did the best that he could. He reached the end with joy in his heart because he fought the good fight. In our life tonight as Christians, do we have that same desire to fight the good fight? That we may look at the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus like Paul did and say, Lord, I don't care about all the other things this world has to offer. I simply want to win you. I want to know you. I want to be used by you. Lord, I believe in your promises. I believe in your word. Lord, I'm not willing to hold anything back from you if you would want anything in my life. Lord, I'm willing to trust in you even though trials and hardships may come. I'm willing to resist the devil in my life and to keep on going until I reach that finish line someday so that I may finish my course with joy. God help us to find some Christians who just won't quit. Who'll just keep going. We think about Noah. What if Noah had spent 99 years there on the ark and had gotten it almost all the way built and said, you know what, I'm tired of all these people mocking me. I don't care about this anymore, God. I'm not going to do it anymore. He just gave up. What if Joshua, as he walked around the walls of Jericho there, and he, he's walked around it six times, and you have to imagine, I mean, think about the story, the, the just absurdity of that story. We're walking around these walls, and at the end, we're going to, on the seventh time, we're all going to shout with a loud voice, and we're going to blow trumpets, and the walls are going to fall down. I mean, there had to be some people there would be like, bro, Joshua's like lost it. But Joshua had faith. It sounded crazy. But he kept on going. What if he had stopped after six times and just said, you know what, this is ridiculous. I'm tired of people making fun of me. This is, this is too much, God. We got to keep on going. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't stop in the Garden of Gethsemane, but yet he continued on to the cross 
to pay the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. You don't have to be the smartest person. You don't have to be the best with your Bible. You just have to be faithful. You just have to finish. Finish your course. Don't give up. Even when you fail, just get back up. By God's grace and through his strength, God will continue to use your life. Just be faithful to the end. I'll close with this. There's a poem, perhaps you've heard it before. It's called Don't Quit. It says, when things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far, so stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worst that you must not quit. God help us to continue on our course so that we too someday can say, I want to finish my course with joy. Hey, I'm now ready to be offered. Lord, if you come and take me now, I'm ready. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith hope we all have that desire in our hearts tonight and I promise as we go through this life and we continue on for Jesus Christ and we have faith in his word God will use our lives pray Lord thank you so much for your word thank you for your promises God I pray that you'd help us all to determine not